What's up, everyone in Serial Killer Country? Well, I guess not serial killers today. We're more like the creepy crew. Uh, I am Brian Joyner, and this is When Killers Get Caught. Normally, I podcast about serial killers, but since Brittany is on vacation, it's mainly about the things that go bump in the night. But like every week, I do have a true crime story that resonated with me, so I will be covering that shortly. So this week in true crime... I have a story coming out of Conyers, Georgia, uh, where a mortuary lost their, I guess, I guess it was their hearse. They call it a mortician's uh, van or mortuary van, but it's, I don't know. I, I like to say, I think it's a hearse, whatever. Anyway, it was stolen from a mortuary named um, Stan Henderson and Sons since Stockbridge. So, apparently, some guy got the idea. I think he I think he got the idea from me. I'm pretty sure I talked about this last week or another week about a hearse and how I wanted a freaking hearse. And then he was like, "You know what? My buddy Brian just talked about a hearse on his podcast. Let me go steal that." So, this man this man, this 23-year-old guy from Atlanta, he goes and he hijacks this this van. Unfortunately, there was still a body in the back. So, what does he do? Does he just drive off with the body in, in the back? No, of course not. This guy, he basically just pushes the body out of the purse and leaves it in the parking lot. Fortunately enough... The body was recovered, you know, it was recovered safely, nothing was wrong with it, but as he's leaving the highway, as actually, as he's leaving the, the more, the more jewelry, whatever you want to call it, um, he heads over to the highway, and he proceeds to crash into multiple cars with the hearse. Like, if you're going to steal something, can you please, like, try to take, like, you stole it for a reason, so you definitely want it. So you would think that you would, like, I don't know, just take care of it while you're stealing it. But <laughs> nonetheless, he he crashes into cars. You know, the tires get blown out of the hearse or the, the van. And he just leaves it and runs off into the woods. Unfortunately, he was not captured when he ran off. But he, I, I guess, uh, a day or two later, he did come in and he turned himself in for you know stealing this. I, I do believe there's there's a quote from the mortician who said that even the death, uh, even the dead, can't find rest, which is really messed up because like, like I get I get the need, like the want, just the the childish want for a hearse like okay story time hold on <laughs> i remember when i was a kid and we would go to visit uh our family in york and the way that we would go we'd cut through columbia pa and there is this tattoo parlor and if you're from columbia or if you're from the area you like drive through columbia you know which one i'm talking about there's a tattoo parlor and they have this hearse sitting in the parking lot that's, like, specifically for the tattoo parlor that it's, it has graphics on it 
and it looks awesome. As a kid, I was like, that's my future car. I want that thing. <laughs> and then, like, on top of that, too, there there's a monster truck. I'm pretty sure a lot of people know this one. A lot of people know this one. Um, there's a monster truck. It's called the Grave Digger. And it's basically a hearse-shaped monster truck, which is awesome looking. And I don't know. I was, just, I was in a lot of depths. I don't know. If, I don't know if you got that from like the stuff I talk about here. But I'm into a lot of death stuff and <laughs> creepy stuff. So just this, like I, I, I get the want for a hearse, but you didn't have to steal it. You could have gone and bought one, and you didn't have to steal one with a body in it already. But yeah, <laughs> that's what I got for this week in true crime. When Killers Get Caught is sponsored by the Magic Class Boutique. Now, why does that name sound so familiar? Well, it's because it's a business ran by our very own Brittany. That's right. The Magic Class Boutique is not only a black-owned business, it's a woman-owned as well. This is a jewelry company that makes some pretty awesome earrings, ranging from cute little sushis to spooky mermaid skeletons. There are even adorable self-defense keychains for those just-in-case moments. And introducing the Serial Collection. This set of earrings is based off of Serial Killers and the official merch for the podcast. This collection features everything a Serial Killer would need to pull off their crimes, from hunting knives at the beginning of their crimes to warding keys for when they eventually get caught. Check out themagicclasp.com today where you can use our promo code CAUGHT to receive 15% off of your online order. That's T-H-E-M-A-G-I-C-C-L-A-S-P dot com and use promo code CAUGHT for 15% off and make sure you tell Brittany that I sent you. So this week, I honestly didn't know what to write about or talk about since, you know, Brittany isn't here and I thrive off of like live reactions. So get ready next week because I got some stuff to tell y'all in her. It's going to be a doozy. You're going to love it. I swear you will. As for today, I'll be continuing my discussion on creepypastas. Actually, these aren't like so much creepypastas as they are their own little thing. Confusing, I know, but I'll explain it in due time. So, I wonder, has anyone heard of the SCP Foundation? Well, if you're still listening, then I assume you do, or that you want to know more. I'm glad to indulge you. So, the SCP Foundation is an organization that basically does three things. Secures anomalous entities to keep them out of the hands of normies like you and me and out of the hands of their rival organizations which would you know use them for bad stuff or just not handle them correctly they contain these anomalies to prevent them from you know running amok and causing chaos by hiding them away or making sure they're never found again and last but not least they protect they protect humanity from these anomalies and the effects of said anomalies 
So they research them and try to understand them. Unfortunately, or sometimes thankfully, um, these anomalies have to be destroyed or neutralized as, you know, a last-ditch effort to protect basically everybody. Today, time permitting, I have been given permission to tell you about these three... Well, I've been given permission to tell you about three anomalies that happen to be favorites of mine and Brittany. So, to start off with, I will be covering SCP-1048. Uh, also known as Builder Bear. Now, this teddy bear is like no other, and I'll explain why. Now, as far as, like, me reading this, some some of these, I guess, SCPs, they have, they have stories uh, connected to them, uh, which you'll see. I think this one doesn't, but the last one does. Um, and the way that these are set up, they go through... So, this, like... Let me let me let me give you an example. So for this SCP, it gives you the item number, the SCP one zero four eight. Then it tells you its class. Then it tells you the special containment procedures, which is you know how they contain this entity. And then they give you a description. And after that, there are addendums or stories or just accounts of these creatures. So. That's what I'll be reading today. Hope you guys are ready for a reading from me. <laughs> so, item number. SCP-1048. Object class. It was safe, but now it's Keter. Special containment procedures. SCP-1048 is currently free to roam about Site-24, as it possesses, as it poses no threat, and has been observed to greatly improve the morale of personnel that interact with it. This has been stricken. The whereabouts of SCP-1048 are currently unknown, though it is still believed to be somewhere in Site-24, subject to be secured for containment, but any creation of SCP-1048s should be destroyed on site, unless further evidence warrants Less extreme actions. No teddy bears are to be allowed on in Site-24 to prevent any confusion or mistaken identity. Any object that rese resembles a teddy bear is to be reported to the security team immediately. And there's a quote that says, This is not a joke. We have no idea what SCP-1048's full capabilities are. Who knows how many of the damn things are out there by now? And that's by Dr. Carver. Description. SCP-1048 is a small teddy bear, approximately 33 centimeters in height. Thorough testing composition of the subject revealed no unusual qualities that make it disconcernable from a non-sapient teddy bear. Subject is capable of moving of its own accord and can communicate through a small range of gestures. The subject regularly shows affection to individuals in ways found endearing to most people. Affection is usually given in the form of a hug to the lower leg, but subject has also been observed dancing, jumping in place, and in two separate events has even drawn childlike pictures for janitorial staff. All the Foundation personnel that have interacted with the subject have responded positively to its affection. 
even D-class, normally sociopathic tendency, attempts to direct communication with SCP-1048 have not been considered successful. Though it is capable of simple gestures to indicate a yes or no answer, it will often not react to lines of questioning concerning its nature or where it originated for, from. It is not known if this is because SCP-1048 simply does not know the answers or because it does not want to answer. Though capable of drawing pictures, it has not used its art as a form of communication beyond showing affection even when encouraged to do so. The more anomalous behavior of SCP-1048 was not observed until approximately seven months after it was originally secured. It is hypothesized that the subject is able to construct crude replicas of itself using various materials by a process that has yet to be observed directly by a foundation staff. Dr. Carver has suggested that SCP-1048 uses its endearing qualities to lull those around it in a false sense of security, allowing it to collect materials to produce these creations. Currently, there are three known creations of SCP-1048, designated SCP-1048-A, SCP-1048-B, and scp 1048-C. The nature of these creations has been in stark contrast to SCP-1048's general behavior as all have exhibited extreme violence towards humans. So I'm going to go and go down the line of these different variations of SCP-1048. SCP-1048-A on Date redacted, SCP-1048-A was discovered wandering Site-24, accompanied by SCP-1048. Subject resembles a teddy bear similar to size and shape to SCP-1048, but is made entirely out of human ears. Witnesses interviewed reported that it appeared SCP-1048 was giving a tour of Site-24 to SCP-1048-A. Dr. Carver was called to the scene along with the security team. The security arrived first and attempted to contain SCP-1048-A. Subject emitted a high-pitched shriek that inflicted intense pain and the eyes and ears of everyone in a 10-meter radius. Ear-like growth immediately began growing on those within 5 meters of the subject, covering their bodies in less than 20 seconds. Every person afflicted with this symptom died within 3 minutes, resulting of the death of redacted personnel, including the entire security team. Autopsies re revealed the cause of death to be asphyxiation caused by an abundance of the ear-like growths manifesting in the mounts and trachea of all victims, SCP-1048 and SCP-1048-A fled the scene before Dr. Carver arrived. 
and have not been contained since the incident, though sightings of both have been reported on multiple occasions. Shortly after this incident occurred, a researcher was found missing an ear. According to him, it was removed through unknown means while he was sleeping. No other victims of ear removal were found, so it is unclear if SCP-1048 obtained more ears from another source or if it's capable of duplicating objects or materials. SCP-1048-B Subject was discovered by several staff members in the cafeteria of Site-24 on date redacted. Subject's appearance is nearly identical to SCP-1048, but it moved in an irregular, jerky manner. Witnesses reported that it appeared as if something was moving inside of SCP-1048-B. Subject made no attempt to interact initially until a burst in its seams revealed what appeared to be the hand and arm of a human infant poking out and grasping at the air. At the sight of this, a female researcher named, named Redacted screamed and SCP-1048-B reacted by emitting a high-pitched cry similar to that of a human infant. The subject then attempted to data expunge the screaming researcher, causing massive internal damage. In the ensuing chaos, a security team was first to redact it. Both the researcher and SCP-1048-B Approximately three hours after the incident, Dr. Blank was found unconscious and bleeding in her office. Uh, um, trigger warning for this, for, um, anybody. Um, what's it? Just, just, just trigger warning. Um, an abortion had been performed on her while she was sleeping, and the eight-month-old fetus was never found. It is hypothesized that SCP-1048 used Dr. Blank's unborn child to create SCP-1048-B. Information regarding the possible origin of SCP-1048-B is not to be leaked to the survivors currently undergoing therapy for the incident with SCP-1048-B as Dr. Carver believes it would be extremely detrimental to their recovery. SCP-1048-C Subject resembles a teddy bear, similar to SCP-1048, but composed entirely of rusted metal scraps. Subject was first sighted on date by Dr. Carver in his office while writing up a report on the SCP-1048-B incident. Subject fled the room when it noticed Dr. Carver observing it. In the, attempt, in the attempted pursuit of SCP-1048-C, Dr. Carver witnessed the death and maiming of blank foundation personnel as the subject exhibited extreme violence during its escape. SCP-1048-C has not been encountered since this initial sighting, and it is unknown whether it still resides somewhere within Site-24. 
the origins of any materials possibly used to construct SCP-1048-C by SCP-1048 are also unknown at this time. Addendum 1048-1 SCP-2295 is similar but nearly antithetical in function to SCP-1048 attempts to establish a common origin are ongoing. Extreme caution is to be taken if SCP-1048-A or SCP-1048-C are encountered again. Um, there's a little quote at the, at the end. It says, I cannot stress this enough. The damn thing jumped through those poor people. And that's by Dr. Carver. And that's, uh, I'm guessing he's referencing the scp 1048 C incident where he exhibited a lot of violence towards people. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's like my favorite, favorite SCP right there. I don't know why. It's just a, a freaking sentient teddy bear that can create copies of itself using materials that it finds or it wants to use. And then those copies are also sentient. And I don't know what it does to make it like how you make clones of yourself and they can use these like the body parts and like the materials that it makes them with and it does horrific things but yeah that's that's the first one so another one of my favorites is scp 261 or better known as the pandimensional vending machine you know, just an ordinary vending machine, seemingly from Japan. Hmm. Well, we'll see. Item number SCP 261. Object class Safe. Special containment procedures. Any access to SCP 261 must be approved by staff with level 2 security clearance or higher. Any and all items dispensed by SCP-261 must be recorded along with the amount of money entered and the amount of time elapsed between uses. Currently, SCP-261 may be used only 10 times in a 24-hour period, with no transaction exceeding the equivalent of 500 Japanese yen. Testing approved by Site Command is not under these restrictions. Items dispensed by SCP-261 should be reviewed by site health and safety officials before consumption. Failure to do so releases the foundation from any obligation regarding negative effects. Items deemed dangerous or useful to research will be confiscated by site security with financial compensation provided in appropriation to money spent. Description SCP-261 appears to be a large black vending machine with no front glass panel and a small keyboard on the right side. SCP-261 was recovered in Yokohama, Japan. SCP-261 was brought to the Foundation's attention after investigation of an urban legend about a magic vending machine that was circulating on the internet. SCP-261 
was found in a back alley behind a large shopping center with a handwritten sign saying, Out of Order, in Japanese, taped to it. SCP-261 has no marks or identification of any kind, and no loco, and no locals remember when or how it came to be in its current location. Internally, SCP-261 appears to be a basic vending machine equipped to vend food and beverage items. After a key was made and the front door opened, no abnormal materials were found and it was determined that SCP-261 has never actually contained any food or beverage items. The keypad, while connected and operating correctly, does not activate any of the dispensing mechanisms. When money is placed into SCP-261 and a three-digit number is entered on the keypad, SCP-261 will vend a random item. SCP-261 has not accepted any currency other than yen, with rejected currency being deposited into the coin return slot. It is unknown how these items appear. However, SCP-261 will not operate when the door is open or when recording devices are placed inside. The number entered on the keypad has no effect on the item vended, nor has any pattern been detected. Items are always some form of snack food and typically have bright, attention-grabbing packaging. SCP-261 is capable of operating with no external power supply, but operation in this state will cause unstable vending to occur much more quickly than normal. If SCP-261 is used several times in a short period of time and or large amounts of money are entered before an item is vended, SCP-261 will start to dispense bizarre items. While still food, their suitability for human consumption is often non-existent. Log of items vended during testing. Phase 8. 800 yen entered for each item. Items being dispensed every two minutes. SCP-261 is attached to power. Coke Zero. A can of Diet Coke. Packaging in English. Cheetos. A small bag of Cheetos snack food. Packaging in English. Black Black. A single pack of caffeinated chewing gum. Packaging in Japanese. Yan Yan. A single Yan Yan cone with peach dipping frosting. Packaging in Japanese. The, the Maiji Seika, I'm sorry if I butchered that, company does not produce this flavor. Pepsi Dragon Twist. A can of Pepsi Cola with a trace of fruit flavor packaging in English. Flavor identified as dragon fruit. Fruit. God. Pepsi Company does not produce this product. It should. Dark Side Cola. A can with clear plastic sides. Packaging in Japanese. Liquid inside is clear. When opened, liquid appears to react to the air and changes to dark black over a period of several seconds. 
The black coloration looks like billowing smoke and cannot be reversed. Liquids taste described as cola with something spicy in it. The Little Bakery, 7 grain. A small tube the size of a candy bar with a green button made of aluminum packaging in English. When the top is twisted off, a mass of dough is extruded. Dough contains several enzymes and bacteria that have not been identified. On contact with air, these cause the dough to rise and bake, killing the microbes in the process. Produces a small round loaf of bread weighing 250 grams. Taste described as good, but chewy. Lemon clams. Thick plastic baggie with a plastic tube on the inside containing water and 12 clams. Packaging in Dutch. Following on package instructions, the plastic tube was cracked like a glow stick. Liquid in the bag flashed to steam, venting from a hole that popped open in the top of the bag, slightly burning one researcher. Steaming finished after 38 seconds, after which clams were found to be fully cooked and infused with a mild lemon flavor. On investigation, clams match no recorded species. Diet Ghost A can containing the instance of SCP-2107. Packaging was in English. Testing done on this instance provided similar results to other contained instances of, of SCP-2107. This marks the first time SCP-261 has vended another SCP object. Unknown. Small mesh bag filled with small multicolored pyramids packaging in an unknown language. Pyramids found to be very hard and unpleasant tasting compared to chalk in taste and consistency. When placed in hot water, Pyramids open and produce strings that quickly dissolve, coloring the water with the same shape as the pyramid. Water had no additional taste, but testing revealed a sharp increase in mineral, carbohydrate, and protein content, with several minerals unidentified at the present time. This content was found to be consistent with the recommended daily intake of nutrients for adult humans. Researcher ingesting the water reported stomach cramps two hours later, but no other effects. Unknown. Aluminum box with a small glass window on the inside. A small glass window on the side. And a large round button on the top. Packaging in an unknown language. Box is seamless and appears to be filled with small round animals covered in fur, each with three small paws and one single large eye. Pressing the button causes the inside of the box to rapidly become superheated, cooking the small animals alive. 
muffled noises and scratching were heard for several seconds during the cooking process. After one minute, 30 seconds, the front panel opens and gives access to the now-cooked animals. Professor Kane volunteered to eat the animals, with no other researchers willing to do so. Taste described as crunchy and very spicy, with a small hint of beef. Unknown. Tall, thin aluminum can. Packaging in an unknown language. Opening the can caused the chemical reaction with the liquid inside the can. Liquid was apparently not intended for an oxygenated atmosphere and detonated violently, causing several injuries and killing two researchers. Testing discontinued and area cleared. Testing area observed to smell like citrus for several days. And um, that is SCP-261. Can you imagine just finding like a random ass vending machine out in the wild of life? And you're, you know, there's, there's no screen to it. There's, there's nothing you can see, but you can put money into it. And it just gives you like a freaking random item, like a random thing from maybe across the freaking country or maybe across the world. Who knows? Just something weird. Just imagine the possibilities, the things that you can get. But if you use it too much, you'll start getting weird stuff from alien planets. Like a box that cooks small little animals. That was hard to say because I was so sad when I heard it. <laughs> I was reading it. I was like, no, it cooked them alive. My poor little animals. I have no idea what they are. They were cute. That's all that matters. Anyway, <laughs> back, to the, back to the show. I have one more SCP to cover, and uh, this one uh, turns out to be Brittany's favorite. But yeah, I, I, like I said, I was talking about both of ours' favorites. <clears throat> I think she did enjoy using SCP-261 in a uh, D&D game that she played. You had to ask her about that. Um... This one is titled SCP-3008. Also known as Infinite Ikea. Or Trapped in Ikea. I saved this one for last because the story that goes along with it, it's, uh, it's kind of long. So, bear with me. It's the last one. We're going to get through this together. I swear. scp Three zero zero eight. Object class. Euclid. Special containment procedures. The retail park containing SCP-3008 has been purchased by the Foundation and converted into site blank. All public roads... Uh, we can't talk. <laughs> all public roads leading to or passing by site blank, have been redirected. The entrance to SCP-3008 is to be monitored at all times, and no one is to enter SCP-3008 outside of testing 
as permitted by the senior researcher. Humans exiting SCP-3008 are to be detained and then debriefed prior to the administration of amnestics, dependent upon the duration of their stay in SCP-3008. A cover story may need to be generated prior to the release. Any other entities exiting SCP-3008 are to be terminated. Description SCP-3008 is a large retail unit previously owned by and branded as IKEA, a popular furniture retail chain. A person entering SCP-3008 through the main entrance and then passing out of sight of the doors will find themselves translocated to SCP-3008-A. This displacement will typically go unnoticed as no change will occur from the perspective of the victim. They will generally not become aware until they try to return to the entrance. SCP-3008-1 is a space resembling the inside of an IKEA furniture store, extending far beyond the limits of what could physically be contained within the dimensions of the retail unit. Current measurements indicate an area of at least 10 kilometers uh, squared, with no visible external terminators detected in any direction. Inconclusive results from the use of laser rangefinders has led to the speculation that the space may be infinite. SCP-3008-1 is inhabited by an unknown number of civilians trapped within prior to containment. Gathered data suggests they have formed a rudimentary civilization within SCP-3008-1 including the construction of settlements and fortifications for the purpose of defending against SCP-3008-2. SCP-3008-2 are humanoid entities that exist within SCP-3008-1. While superficially resembling humans, they possess exaggerated and inconsistent bodily proportions, often described as being too short or too tall. They possess no facial features and all observed cases wear a yellow shirt and blue trousers consistent with the IKEA employee uniform. SCP-3008-1 has a rudimentary day-night cycle determined by overhead lighting within the space, activating and deactivating at times consistent with the opening and closing times of the original retail store. During the night instances of SCP-3008-2 will become violent towards all other life forms in, within SCP-3008-1. During the bouts of violence, they have been heard to vocalize phrases in English that are typically variations of The store is now closed. Please exit the building. Once day begins, SCP-3008-2 
instances immediately become passive and begin moving throughout SCP-3008-1 seemingly at random. They are unresponsive to questioning and other vocal cues in this state, though will react violently if attacked. SCP-3008-1 is known to have one or more exits located within, though these exits do not appear to have a fixed position, making it difficult to leave SCP-3008-1 once inside. Using any other door besides the main entrance to enter the structure or breaking through the walls of the retail unit leads to the non-anomalous interior of the, in the original store. Since containment began, 14 individuals have managed to exit SCP-3008. Following extensive debris meetings, all individuals have been administered amnestics and released. Incident 3008-1 At 0... Is it, is it 0037? That's military time. Um, so 12.30 a.m. On blank date 2000... Who knows what year. A human male exited SCP-3008 followed 10 seconds later by an instance of SCP-3008-2 SCP-3008-2 caught and killed the man before itself being terminated by armed response personnel. This incident represents the only time an instance of SCP-3008-2 has been seen exiting SCP-3008. A full autopsy of the corpse was performed. C-3008 Dash two, autopsy log for more details. The man was carrying an IKEA branded journal, seeming to document his time in SCP-3008-1, transcribed below verbatim. And this is the story that goes along with it. And I do apologize; it is long, so please, like I said, bear with me. So I'm writing this to document what I can only assume is my sudden descent into insanity. I can't possibly be that bad of a navigator. And yet, as I write this, I've been trapped in Ikea for two days. I haven't seen another person in the entire time I've been here. I thought it was a prank at first. Turn the place into a maze, get all the people out and see how long it takes me to get lost. Then everyone has a good old laugh. Realize that wasn't the case. When I tried to backtrack, everything had changed. So I ended up lost. Instead of the exit, it was just a row of bookcases. So I'm trapped in Ikea. Sounds like the setup of a bad joke. Lights went out at 10 p.m., nearly gave me a fucking heart attack, the loud electrical thunk sound, and then pitch blackness. Place is full of beds, though, and my phone has a torch on it, but no damn signal. So I found a bed and went to sleep. Spent most of the next day 
trying to find my way out with no luck. Did find a restaurant serving those meatballs though, so at least I won't starve. That's probably the punchline to that joke. Anyway, they are still warm and fresh, but I haven't seen anyone around who could have cooked them. Made my way back to the beds before the lights cut out again, since it's too dark to search with them off. It's 9.10am now. The lights came back on a while ago. I'm sure I've searched the entire area around where, where I came in now, and the exit obviously isn't there. So I'm just going to pick a direction and hope for the best. Day 3 of my magical Ikea mystery adventure. If I wasn't sure that there was something seriously weird about this place before, I am now. Walked for 3 hours in a more or less straight line, insert Ikea joke here, before I came across a ladder next to one of those huge stock shelves they have here. Climbed to get my bearings and it looks like this place just stretches on forever. Like that scene in The Lion King, except instead of trees and grass, it was all shelves and tables and crap. I did see a person moving not too far away though, so I headed over. Thought it was a staff member at first, it was wearing the uniform, and hell, maybe it was. Maybe freakish seven foot tall monsters with long arms, short legs, and no faces are just the kinds of things they want working at Super Ikea. Damn thing completely ignored me though, and with no ears or eyes, I can't even be sure it knew I was there. Thought about shoving it or something to get its attention, but its hands were big enough to crush a watermelon, so I decided against it. It was just moving along and eventually I lost sight of it, so I decided to carry on my way, on the way I was going. Anyway, no comfy bed for me tonight. It looks like I've entered the improbably hard and pointy table section of the store. Guess I'll have to make do with some bunched up tablecloths. Phone battery died during the day too. Didn't work anyway. But I feel like I just lost some vital lifeline. You ever see one of those cartoons where they're going through doors in a hallway and they just pop out of another door in the same hallway? That's how I feel right now. I've seen nothing but the same identical bookshelf for two days now. Just row after row after row of them. I mean, come on. I love books as much as the next guy, but this is excessive. I'm obviously still moving toward forwards, though. I can see the signs hanging over his head, passing by. Too bad, not none of them say exit. Not sure who I was addressing that question to. Let's just say it was practice for the autobiography I'm going to write when I get out of here. I'll call it my perfectly normal trip to a regular old Ikea. If I ever get out of it. Finally, found some other people. Yeah. Turns out I'm not the only poor bastard trapped in here. Lucky for me, I guess. My sixth night here. Two of those staff things came at me in the dark. Different from the first one I saw, but still messed up. Heard them coming. They were saying that the store was closed and I had to leave the building. All nice and polite like. I'm not sure which part of that was weirder. That they don't have mouths or that they were apparently trying to kill me. 
while they were saying it. Came at me like rabbit dogs. So I liked it. Sprinting through Ikea in the dark like a fucking madman. I saw it when I cleared another stand of those giant bookshelves. Or stock shelves. All lit up with torches and floodlights. They've built a whole town in here. Got a massive wall built out of shelves and beds and tables and whatever else. I swear to God, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Anyway, I guess they saw me coming. Or maybe they heard my girlish slash manly bellows of fear. Because they had a they had a gate open and two, two people were waving me in. Heard the staff thing slam into the gate behind me after it closed. Still politely informing us that the store was now closed. They wandered off eventually though. They called the town exchange. Because that's what's on the sign hanging from the ceiling directly above it. Exchange and returns. All lit up against the night using lights they've found and plugged in into power lines. And there are beds and food and people. Over 50 wonderful people with regular sized limbs and a full set of facial features. It's now my seventh night here. And the first one not spent in darkness. A full week living in Ikea. There's probably a TV show in that somewhere. Now that I'm around other people, I'm starting to feel more normal. Maybe normal isn't a word. But after a week with only the sound of my own footsteps for company... I was becoming increasingly sure that I'd just gone nuts. That I was tied up in some padded room somewhere, banging my head against the wall. But no, I feel quite sane now. Thank you very much. Apparently, there are other towns out there. Some with more people, some with less. I found that fairly mind-boggling. How can that many people go missing with no one noticing. Surely someone would have noticed that everyone who goes to Ikea seems to fucking vanish. Or maybe it's not everyone. Maybe it's just the lucky ones. The people here call those staff monster things the staff. Apparently, they are fine during the day, minding their own business, walking the aisles. As soon as those lights go out, though, they go fucking bonkers. So during the day, people go out to find food, water, and whatever else they need. Apparently, there are restaurants and shops around that randomly get restocked. No one knows how. Maybe the staff do it. Apparently, they aren't very good at their jobs, though, because the restocking sometimes takes a while, which means the food needs to be rationed. Maybe if they weren't so busy chasing people around in the dark, they'd get more done. Anyway, when night comes, the staff go nuts, and everyone holds up inside the walls. Apparently, it's the same everywhere in this place, whatever this place is. The your Ikea from whence all other Ikeas sprang. Or maybe we're all still just in the regular Ikea, and this is all some fever dream brought on by mind-numbing boredom. Who knows? Been here for 10 days now. Most of the people I asked said they stopped keeping track a long time ago. One guy, Chris, said he's been here for years. Years. Inintelligible scribbles. 
Apparently, there are rumors of people who do manage to get out, and of people who see the exit, only to have it vanish before their very eyes. I get the feeling not everyone believes that, but I do. Explains how we got stuck here in the first place. Sort of. And I mean, come on. Staff monsters, row after row of high-quality Swedish furniture? I don't know why they would find a disappearing door so hard to believe in. Anyway, I went out scavenging for food at a nearby shop with Sandra and Jerry today. Once you learn the landmarks of this place, it's not so hard to navigate. The overhead signs help a lot, but the, there are others. Not too far in the distance, a huge section of those giant stock shelves has collapsed against each other, and way off in the east, we all assume it's east, Anyway, apparently Ikea doesn't sell compasses, is some kind of tower that looks like it's made of wood. Reaches all the way to the ceiling. Maybe they were trying to break out through the roof. Lights up at night, so there might be people there. But it's apparently a few days walk, which means it must be miles away. So no one here really knows for sure. Apparently, I got incredibly lucky sleeping out in the open for a week without getting ripped to bits by the staff. That's me. Lucky, lucky, lucky. We found some food in the shop. Guess the staff restocked it during the night, which was nice of them. There was a telephone on the wall, so I figured I'd try it out. There was a voice on the other end. They were just talking nonsense. Random words strung together with no real meaning. You ever see a video of someone with aphasia? Kind of sounded like that. Didn't answer me when I spoke to them anyway. Sandra says all the phones in here are the same. Oops, asking the general questions again. I was thinking last night, the ceiling on this place is pretty high, and as far as anyone can tell, it goes on forever. Shouldn't there be some kind of weather in here? I'm sure I read about some NASA building that was so big it had its own weather patterns with clouds and stuff. This place is definitely bigger than that. But now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure I've never felt so much as a temperature change in here. I'll add it to the grand list of weird bullshit. The staff attacked exchange last night. Must have been 20 or 30 of them. All just asking us to leave the store as calm as you like, while trying to smash the walls down with their bare hands. Apparently, this happens pretty regularly, so everyone is prepared for it. Knives from restaurants, lawnmower blades made into hatchets, a fire axe, one guy, Wazem, even made a functional crossbow. Anyway, the walls have holes in them, which I hadn't noticed before, specifically so we can stab out at the staff when they attack. Take a couple of them down myself. They don't seem to bleed, which is weird. But they do go down as easy as a regular person once you start sticking holes in them. We had to haul the bodies away in the morning. Apparently, the dead ones will attract more during the night. So we had to get them away from exchange. We have a couple of those trolley things they use to move big boxes around, so we loaded them up and took them over to pick up. Apparently, people just name everything in here after whatever sign is hanging overhead. 
Pickup was grisly. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of dead staff all piled up. There was no smell, which was a blessing. Apparently, in addition to not bleeding, these things don't rot either. My curiosity got the better of me while we were unloading them, so I took a look at one of the more cut-up ones. They're just skin, or something that looks like skin. All the way through, no muscle, no bones, no organs. Are they even really alive in the first place? They certainly seem like they have bones when they're moving around, pounding on the walls, and I'm sure I felt more resistance than just skin when the knife went through during the night. Maybe something happens to them when they die. Just one more thing on the ever-increasing list of weird shit that goes on in here, I guess. Something occurred to me. After the staff attacked the other night, every time you see a situation like this on TV or in a film, like it's the end of the world or everyone is trapped on an island or whatever, once groups like ours start to form, people always seem to turn on each other, fighting for food or dominance or whatever else. That hasn't happened here. Apparently, people from other towns come by from time to time just to check in or occasionally to trade if they're short on something. But everything is always cordial. Friendly, even. Maybe it's the threat of the staff, or perhaps the constant restocking of the supplies in the shops means there's nothing much to fight over. Maybe people are just better than they are are gradually giving credit for. That's a nice thought. I think I'll go with that one. A dozen people showed up at the gates this afternoon from a town called Trolleys. Apparently the staff broke through the walls and tore the town apart during the night. These 12 are the only survivors out of over a hundred. We let them in, obviously. One more point in the human decency column. Later, I asked if anyone knew how many of these towns there were out there. Between us and the new folks, we managed to come up with over 20 names. 20 towns filled with people, and who knows how many beyond that. The model for this place should be, how is that even possible? Surely someone somewhere must be looking for the thousands of people that must be in here. I've been here for a little over two months now. Not that much changes, as it turns out. A couple of new people showed up. Same story as the rest of us. Nice little trip to Ikea, and suddenly you're trapped in Billy Bookcase's House of Faceless Weirdos. The staff attack the exchange once or twice a week. We kill them and haul their bodies off. Sometimes they hurt some of us first. They killed a guy called Jared a couple weeks back. It was awful, frankly. Turns out regular humans still bleed here, even if the staff don't. We tried our best, but none of us are doctors. Jared was a good guy. He deserved better. We all do. It occurred to me a couple of days after that, none of us were really looking for a way out of here. I don't even know where we'd start. One of those quadcopter things with a camera attached buzzed past exchange today. I thought it meant that someone was finally looking for us, that help was on the way, Apparently, it's not the first time this has happened. Same thing happened a few months ago. 
and everyone is still here. No idea if it saw us. It didn't stop if it did. Just kept flying until we could no longer see it. Note. Based on recovery time of the journal, this entry appears to line up approximately with our first successful test piloting a drone inside SCP-3008-1. Analysis of footage shows a walled settlement under a sign labeled Exchange and Returns. Attempts to relocate the settlement failed. Origin of previously sighted drones is unknown. I started talking to people about the stuff they missed from home during dinner today. Probably not the best idea I've ever had. Everyone seemed pretty down after that. A bunch of people here have families. Husbands and wives, kids, dogs. Franklin apparently has a pet llama, though I'm not sure I'd buy that. But apparently, some of the people here have seriously odd gaps in their knowledge. Three of them have never heard of the International Space Station. Two of them seem to think blank, blank, was the Prime Minister. And one of them had apparently never heard of the Statue of Liberty. I believe them too. They seem just as confused as the rest of us. The more I thought about it though, the more it started to explain a few things. What if the reason no one is looking for all of us missing people is because we haven't all come from the same place? This is going to sound weird. Maybe that should be the model of this place. But what if all the people here have come from different dimensions, realities, whatever you call it? I've seen enough TV shows to know the drill. Sarah comes from a place where there's no Statue of Liberty. They didn't launch a space station where Waysome is from. If everyone here came from different places, even from ones that seem identical, there'd be no huge missing persons panic. No mass search. We'd just be a blip. A single missing person in a world of non-stop news. Well, that was a fun train of thought. Just realized that yesterday was the six-month anniversary of my arrival here. I wonder if Ikea sells party hats. The routine he around here has remained more or less the same. More new folks show up. One every couple of weeks or so. Food supplies go up and down, but we've never actually had a major shortage. Occasionally, we get a visitor from one of the nearby towns. Usually checkouts or aisle 630. We check in with each other from time to time. Occasionally trade supplies if someone gets particularly low on something. It's comforting in a way. A reminder that we aren't alone in here. Some small glimmer of civilization. Sometimes they bring medical supplies. Apparently, there's a pharmacy a few towns down from checkouts that gets restocked every now and then. So they share out what they can. I've never heard of a Ikea with a pharmacy before, but at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if someone stumbled on an Ikea organ harvesting lab, which certainly explained the staff. Speaking of our faceless jailers, their attacks have been getting worse lately. Three or four times a week now, with twice as many staff as there used to be. No idea where they all come from, or why the attacks are increasing. We tried following one of them during the day a few weeks ago, me and Sarah. 
wanted to see if they led back to the staff room or something. Didn't seem to go anywhere, though. Just randomly walked through the aisles. We had to turn back before we found anything. We've been reinforcing the walls, trying to arm ourselves better. Certainly no lack of materials to use. Waysome has been making more crossbows, but it's pretty slow going. Too bad Ikea doesn't sell guns. Note. No new personnel have entered SCP-3008 at site blank in a time span indicated in this entry. The attacks are getting bad now. Almost every night, and with so many staff that the bodies almost pile high enough for others to climb the walls. I think we're in real trouble here. Exchanges. I think exchange is done. We got hit pretty bad last night. Not many casualties, but the wall was wrecked. We finally figured out why the attacks have been escalating, too. A box of supplies with a chunk of one of the staff in there. No idea how it happened, but apparently a piece of one will grow them as well as a full body. Too late now, in any case. There's too many bodies for us to haul away and still have the time to fix the wall before night. Canis has called a meeting. I suspect there will be talk of abandoning exchange. Maybe try to get shelter at checkouts or something. It's already getting late, though. I don't think we'll have time to make it. Maybe some of us will. I was fine for that first week out in the dark, after all. But then, how often can I keep getting lucky? I'm only writing this for a sense of closure, I guess. For me, or for anyone who finds this, if this is the final entry here, I hope whoever is reading this is doing so from the outside of this place. My biggest fear? If I do die tonight, I'll just wake up here again in the morning. Note. This is the last entry. It is assumed that while attempting to reach the checkout settlement, he was separated from the rest of his group by a pursuing SCP-3008-2 instance and happened upon the exit. Isn't that sad? That's so sad. Like, he was out. Dude was out of the building, but he got chased out and he died. When he found a fucking exit he's been searching for for what about like six months now. It's crazy. God. And this was a long one. <laughs> I apologize for when I stumbled over words. Um reading is my forte, but reading a lot just oh it just gets to me. I'm sorry. I do apologize. And I thank you for sticking this out with me. Goodness. I see why this is Britney's. I mean, this is this is actually a good one too. I like this one too, and like it has a great story behind it, and it's and it like brings in like almost like I don't know an alternate reality type situation, like dimensions. Like, could there be IKEAs in different dimensions? Is an I, is IKEA just a dimensional thing that happens across the like the different universes or whatever? Real question. I need to know. <clears throat> anyway, that's all I have today for you guys. I'm sorry this is such a long episode for just one person to be talking, but hey, it is what it is. I had a lot to talk about. 
Um, if you want to keep in contact with us, you can always check out www.whenkillersgetcaught.com and basically it has all of our podcast episodes on there. There's a merch shop on there. It has our Twitter information on there, I believe. Um, it also has, you know, Brittany's TikTok on there, which is caught at caught podcast. Just check it out. If I'm pretty sure most of y'all from TikTok anyway. So check that out. If you haven't already, um, I have a Twitch. If you want to watch me try to play games, I'm trying to find some new games to play. I was playing Doki Doki Literature Club, but um, I got bored with it. That happens a lot. <laughs> so I'm looking for something new to play. Um, I'm trying to stream on Fridays and Sundays now, so hopefully I can find a game to play on Fridays. I'm trying to maybe, like, I might just play Fallout 76 on Fridays because I like Fallout. And if I make a, like, a Fallout Fridays, it'll be, I don't know, you know, it just, it works. So, (laughs) that, and... Um, you can email us at when killers get, I think it's just, yeah, it's called podcast at gmail.com. Just email us there. If you have any questions, if you want to send us stories or story suggestions, um, what else? There's something else I can plug here. What is it? Oh, oh, right. We have a Patreon. If you haven't heard in the past episodes, we have a Patreon now. So, we have many different tiers you can choose from if you want to support us uh, in a monetary way. It's not required, but our patron, our patrons do get a bonus episode every week. It's called uh, Conspiracy Crypt, where either Brittany or myself talk about a conspiracy theory that we found interesting and we just, you know, talk about it. So what else? Hold on a second. Right. If you're listening to us on a podcast thingy that allows you to rate and review us, hey, leave us a five-star review if you like the podcast. If you leave us anything less than five stars, I don't know if Brittany cares about it, but I don't give a fuck. Um, so... You can leave us anything if you if you don't like the podcast, don't leave a review. I'm not going to read it. I'm really not. Um, but yeah, go go leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And I believe that is all for me today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I thank you profusely for sticking with me and just being here and listening to us and enjoying our content. It's very it's very nice. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It's very nice, and we love the support that we get. So, like I said, thank you very much, and have a good night, have a good day, have a good week, have a great weekend. <laughs>